Descender. You know that song? Address Unknown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's going in the show notes today. No such number. Yeah, you got it. Dude, your Elvis impression is pretty good. No such song. (laughs) You listen to that many times. You're pretty good. I put the letter in the box. Hello, and welcome to Words for Dinner, the podcast that puts the cucumber in your water. I'm Mike. And I'm Max. On today's episode, which is, I believe, episode seven. Yes. Um, our, we discuss the etymology of pornography, mm. uh, what obscenity is, mm-hmm. why uh, white people keep renaming cities in other countries, <laughs> and... Um, you know, erotica versus porn. Mm-hmm. I always feel like that our intros are three truths and a lie. <laughs> Which one will we not actually do? Your guess is as good as ours. It's like a game that you play with your students. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when they don't know each other. It's like a, it's like an icebreaker for our audience. Yeah, so <laughs> that they feel involved and connected with us right off the right off the bat. I love that. We love them. We love our audience. We do. Especially that guy in India that listens to us. Yeah. And one guy in Ireland. Uh, and uh, a couple people in South Korea. What if they're robots, though? Isn't it possible that it's a computer that's just downloading us for like some weird purpose and it's like not... I considered that it was one of my friends uh, yeah. who was bouncing the signal off of international like or satellites or something. Whoa. So it seemed like it came from India. Mm. But, really, he's in Chicago. You know? Like that do you have, like, any, like, I don't know. Do you, do you know anybody, like, the like you know, in Ocean's Eleven, there's, yeah. like, they always bring the tech dude uh-huh. who's, like, an ultra nerd, but he's, like, really good at that. Do, do you know anybody like that? I do. In I your do. life? My friend Alex, which, if my friend Alex is listening, he wouldn't consider himself this, but he also just has this kind of memory that, like, he can, like, look at something and he just gets it. Like... He's just really, he's really, really intelligent. So he's a freak, is what you're trying to say. No, he's amazing. He's beautiful. Wow. He's beautiful. That's impressive. Beautiful man. You know know who else is talking about us? Who? The New York Times. That's, actually, I heard that. The Paris Review. New York Times, the Paris Review, talking about us, man. And Ray Comfort. No, Ray Comfort is definitely not talking about us. I would love so much more. (laughs) I would trade in the New York Times talking about us for Ray Comfort talking about us. I I tweeted at Tim Askew, and he did not get back to me. (laughs) I was a little upset about that, I'm not going to lie. But first, how are you, Max? It's been a while. You know what? I'm good. Yeah? I'm real good. It's the end, right? It's the end of the semester. Both just submitted all our final grades. Our contract is now officially over for spring. We're we're done. We're, we're free done agents. Soon. We're free agents. Yeah. We're like um, we're looking for a new team to play for. No, we're we're not. But it's like summer break. Sports like training. Center, Sports Center just did an episode on like free agents and how sick they are now. Yeah. And you know how they love, like, sports commentators love coming up with trends and patterns. And they're yeah. like, look at the statistics, man. See, this is a trend and a pattern. And it's like, who cares? A lot of people care. I guess people care about SportsCenter. People care about SportsCenter. In college, like, the only TV that was on was on SportsCenter, and that was the only thing that was ever on. That was 
all that was on yeah. in my dorm yeah. in college. Yep. So like, why do I need to watch this much sports center? I would I would often say to old room, to my roommates at the time, right. I would say uh, basketball. That's the one where they take the puck and they shoot it into the basket for the touchdown. <laughs> and I hated it. Was was like, hockey, hockey is the one where they sweep the ice so that they can get the baseball <laughs> to hit a home run. The weird thing is, like, that kind of was almost hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like... It's curling. Curling. Curling is my favorite curling. sport. Curling is a great sport because the, the name of the sport has nothing to do with what you actually do. I know. I, th- I think that's what it's called. I think it's called curling it's called when curling. you sweep the ice. That is <laughs> Sweep terrible. the ice. Was Alex there watching Sports Center with you? No, no. He was. Uh, he's a friend from high school. Oh, he wasn't like coding. He wasn't in the corner on like a laptop, like just <laughs> just coding, just yeah. coding. Oh uh, man, what's going on with you, dude? Nothing, man. Just be feeling feeling over this semester. Yeah. Went uh, went book shopping, which I do. My birthday just passed recently, right? Happy birthday. So I do that for thank you. I do that for my birthday every year. Yeah. And found some amazing deals. I always set a limit for myself, right? So we're usually around like a hundred bucks, hundred and twenty bucks on books, right? Woo! You know, but books can be expensive. Think about a hardcover book is sometimes thirty bucks. Oh yeah, hardcovers right? are so you know like that. Yeah, so those can be expensive. But I go to the Strand in New York City, mm-hmm. get myself mm-hmm. a bunch of dollar books. Man, it'd be great if they sponsored us. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> FYI, mm. at the Strand. Welcome. Anyway, um. I found Marcus Aurelius's mem- uh, memoirs or like uh, meditations. I'm sorry, meditations dude, for a dollar. Shut up. Yeah. Can I borrow that when you're yeah. done with it? Yeah, you can. All right. Weird. So, dude. Oh, this is so it's just this is so. So they're just his meditations. They're, they're like you know. Uh, so that's exciting. Weird side note, dude. Yeah. Uh, from John Steinbeck's East of Eden. Yeah. There's a character named Lee in that book who's very awesome, although slightly racist. That's yeah. a separate story. Uh, who. Mentioned specifically that book, by Mar- Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, oh, yeah. in a way that clearly shows that John Steinbeck loved that book. Oh, and, yeah. like, I want to read it for that reason. Nice. It's a good pick, dude. Nice. Yeah, I got it for a buck, man. Uh, timely, I got a book of um, erotic short stories, which, uh, for a dollar, it looked interesting. Wait, por- pornography, um, though? No. No, oh. no we're going to say, yeah, yeah, come okay. on. No, so, you know, I, and then... Some other highlights, I got myself cheap copies of The Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. because I don't have reading copies. Mm-hmm. I, I've always had copies where, like, they're, like, from the 70s or 80s, and they have those, like, really cool, like, crazy covers, or, or they're just weird editions, and I don't want to read those, and so I got myself a cheap copy. I got myself a book by Mal- Walter Mosley. Mm. Love that guy. If Who's you don't that? Read I remember Walter that guy's Mosley. name. He writes mystery and sci-fi, and he's just a fiction right. writer, right? He has a lot of mystery books out there, but he's got some sci-fi, and I love his sci-fi. It's yeah. hardcore, awesome shit, dude. I love it. You like to use some um, Mosley. Love Mosley. Walter mm. Mosley, man. Ugh. Mm. Oh, and he wrote, I was introduced to him through a YA book. I think it was called, like, it's either called 47 or 49. I can't remember the name of the number. Yeah. But it's so good. The intro to that book is Walter Mosley telling you basically the point of the book yeah. and it's great it's a great like intro to a YA book which is basically oh, this book is weird here's what I'm trying to do <laughs> right and so it, like I, imagine like you're 12, 13 you know you're figuring out books you open it and you go oh 
the author's just like telling me the thing. That's I was great. never twelve or thirteen years old. I skipped those ages. I know. I know. I went. I went from ten to seventy-five. Yeah, I went directly from one to uh, thirty-four. Mm-hmm. I believe it. But yeah, so buying books, getting mm-hmm. excited to read. When are you gonna read them? Slowly. Uh, I'm pretty far behind in my hour a day thing. Um, mm-hmm. Is all the grading the the semester entailed? Mm-hmm. The semester was busy, um, so I'm trying to start catching up. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that opportunity to catch up. Good luck, man. Do some do some you, reading dude. this summer. Yeah. It's going to be great. You're going to read some books, huh? Yeah, I'm going to read some books. Speaking of reading, you mentioned New York Times. Yeah. Paris Review. <laughs> tell us. All right. Tell us what's going on. I am so pumped about this. Dude. Yes. So, our listeners might remember... Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, we did an episode a on the word. Weeks ago, yeah, a few months like, ago, just <laughs> like three years ago. Yeah, okay, feels that way. It was an episode on moist, right? Yes, the word moist, right? Yes, still our most listened to episode. Right, people love Seven to hate that word. And a half people listen to that episode, possibly just multiple, multiple times just over. Yeah. So moist, right? You talked about you chose this word. Yeah, it was well chosen. It's mm-hmm. a controversial word because people don't like. It. Yeah, they are grossed out by it, right? Yes. So we pointed that out, and a number of other just very insightful, fascinating observations about Moist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sure enough, a couple weeks later, we're, an article comes out in the New York Times, which I should be looking at right now, but I'm not. But the title was something about Moist. It was like, do you, are there some words that creep you out? It was, it was another word aversion. It was yeah. another word aversion article. Yeah. yeah. Couple weeks after, boom! Right after we did it, New York Times, and then somewhere in there. So basically, the New York Times loves us, is what I'm saying. Yeah, probably. I mean, they're probably listening to us. They're right probably. Now. I mean, what you know? Um, also, our friend Paula just talked to us a minute ago, and she was like to say that the Paris Review did an article on that too. Yeah, in defense of moist. In so, defense of yeah, oh, I think so. You like so, that? You so like there's that? two different those two those two different articles. Which uh-huh. so two new articles about moist. So you know, check out ParisReview.com. I believe has that article up there. You don't have to get the journal. Yeah. And New York Times, of course, that's up online too. There you go. New York if, Times one. If it's one of your ten free articles this month. Yes, right? of course. Um, the New York Times one is just about word aversion again, mainly talking about how moist has become the poster child for word aversion, mm-hmm. but they want to look at other words mm-hmm. that people are averse to. Sure, sure. And then the independent, I haven't read the one from Paris Review yet, yeah. because Paul just told us about that. So uh, I'm sure, though, right after this, you're going to rush out and read all the Paris Review, yes. all 375,000 pages of yes. each issue, yes. because it is so taste-making and important. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. Right. The par- Although, but I don't understand. We're in America, so I don't know why we need to review right. Paris. Also, it's run by the CIA. Let's be real here. <laughs> right. And the NSA and like all those guys. Oh uh, man, yeah, we're gonna re- <laughs> we're gonna get the maybe the FBI and the CIA will start racking up our views on Dude, Podbean. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they'll be listening. <laughs> man, if, if I had to run away from a drone strike, mm-hmm. and if I did that, it would boost our listenership. I would yeah. do it as long okay. as I didn't actually get hit by the drone. Yeah. That that sounds like a challenge. Yeah. Do you want to? If we, <laughs> if someone wants to sponsor us, we will we will vid- we will try and find a drone. Well, it's just like and have Max chased by the drone. Let's just be uh, like let's just like challenge ourselves to do crazy stuff, you know, and like if, if <laughs> and like impress people that way. Uh, but man. dude, so like, all right, so the New York Times that yeah. was a big deal. They love us. Yeah. Um, this just in, if you like words for dinner. Uh, were endorsed kind of by the New York Times. Basically. 
Somebody else in your life also brought up yes. points, though. Yes, my cousin, Nicholas. That's made up. Is that his real name? No, his name is Nick. It's Nicholas. I mean, his name is Nick. Whatever. My cousin Nick got in touch with me personally, right? He didn't contact us through our multiple avenues, though we'll mention that again in a little bit. But he contacted me personally, had a comment about our awesome episode, right? Our our episode about the word awesome. Mm -hmm. And he said something. We had commented a little bit about how there are all these different definitions, or not definitions, excuse me, all these different spellings of the word awesome, and that, like, there's a bunch of different uh, entries in there about the word, right? Mm-hmm. And all these different ways to kind of spell it or deal with it, whatever. So he responded, and uh, I'm going to just read his response verbatim uh, in all its, uh, you know, passive aggressiveness sure. and beauty. Okay. Um, though I love Nick a lot. He is, you know, he's related. He is named after um, a saint after all. He is. He is. A sa- uh, the saint of Christmas. Sure. Right? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I only celebrate. Um, festivus. I the only things I have knowledge about are the words that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Anything outside of that? Nope, got nothing. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to give us a quick correction. Correction on the spellings. He says your Gutenberg era printing practices need some sharpening. You guys mentioned a strange spelling of awesome around that time, but didn't mention how it could have been caused by a process known as casting off, where printers had to use whatever means at their disposal to make the literal type fit on a sheet to be printed. This included variations in spelling, abbreviations, contractions, substitutions, the whole nine yards, early book history. It's pretty neat. So basically, a bunch of those random spellings of the word awesome are because of... You know of this thing called casting off, where printers shorten the Would take the pants words. Off. Well, they put they spell words differently so that they fit on a page, right? Yeah. So like awesome spelled the way it's supposed to be, quote unquote. Mm. They would spell it slightly different so that they could fit a line where they needed to, and that's really fascinating. And I love that like we got that little piece of information. It helps us understand a little bit. This will help us understand different words too if it, they're spelled differently. At different times and different eras, maybe it's not only, you know, it's not just, oh, they just spelled it differently or they didn't know how to spell. Maybe it's like a purposeful thing that they did. That is and so this cool. Yeah, this knowing this is important. And, you know, ne- next time I'm fishing and I like, I'm like, that's casting off, mm-hmm. you could be like, no, you dummy. That's not what casting off means. Or next time it's getting really hot and mm-hmm. I have to take off my socks because mm-hmm. they're all damp. Or moist, mm. you know. I see what you did. You'll there. be like, "That's not casting off either." I see what you did. Let's there. get this word right. I see what you did. There. You like that? Yeah. That's just gross imagery. Yep. Yeah. Way to go. So um, maybe that, we, that would be obscene. That that's would be obscene. That's, that would be obscene <laughs> if I took off some sweat socks. That would be. So, so yeah. Michael, yes. What does obscene mean to you? I I don't know. That's a good question. Um... I don't know. I actually don't know. If I were to, off the top of my head, define obscene, it would be... <laughs> hmm. Attractive. I feel like I feel like what's obscene for me... Mm, this is going to be good. <laughs> ...would not be obscene for somebody else. You know? What? I feel like obscenity mm. is... 
something that is different for each individual person. Subjective, you're saying? It might be subjective. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, an obscene thing, obscene moment, is seeing your mother run out of the bathroom naked. I would agree. Right? But I feel like that, you know, my mother running out of a bathroom naked, obscene for me, mm-hmm. not obscene for somebody you're, she's seeing. Your dad at one time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I you know I feel like obscenity is, is in the eye of, of the, the beholder, the <laughs> the beholder of obscenity. Uh, er. er. Yeah, that one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why do you ask, Max? Well, glad you asked. Why I asked, <laughs> Michael? Uh, well, today's word pornography, yeah. right? Mm. So uh, the word obscene mm-hmm. has been in the definition. Of pornography at various times. Okay. Our definition from our friend the Oxford English Dictionary yes. does not, in fact, have the word obscene. No. But um, I think that's probably a reaction against the use of the term obscene in prior definitions. Right? Mm. For okay. example, uh, banned books. Right? Yeah. You got your books in the past. The ones that are banned. People that write them, and yeah. then they're like, this is a good book. Like, uh, for example, Lolita. Right, by yeah. Vladimir Nabokov. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. Anyway, the courts, they were like, ah, mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Right? If, even I think, like, Catcher in the Rye at one point was maybe banned. By yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we, the list goes on and on, yeah. right? So those aren't good examples. Uh, well, uh, Lolita's a good example yeah. of what might be considered obscene by some people. Mm-hmm. Although it is subjective, I think that word was in the legal definition yeah. Of pornography, yeah. and it was banned for that reason because of the sexual connotations yeah. and all the content. I still, I still think it does uh, permeate legal, uh, legal things in, in relation to obscenity laws, right? Which are a thing, right? Um, and then whether or not something is obscene, I'm sure, like, has to do with like whether it can get funding or you know, I'm sure it's there's still that's still around. Which I didn't know you were going here. Mm. would have looked up obscenity laws. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I don't know if I was going there either. But, yeah. yes, uh, maybe before the episode is out, we can take a look yeah. at like the Supreme Court's definition of obscenity. Oh, okay. Uh, but the other reason I didn't want to get off track with this... Oh, because, because that's not the word that we're doing today. It's technically so, yeah. not in this definition, which I will read. Right? Yeah. But I just wanted to point out that you know I think it is subjective, mm-hmm. but society does agree in the form of law. But yeah. that's the thing, like like society does, we don't. Like people mm. make up society, but yeah. like we all agree on the law, which is like, you know, you know what yeah. I mean. So it's like subjective on an individual basis. But yeah. for as far as enforcing what is offensive to us as a, as a society or not, mm. that's an interesting conversation, which we will not resolve today. Okay. Anyway, we'll have to come back to obscene in a different episode. We'll just mm, we'll just like box it. it up. Come back to it. You know box I mean? it up. Uh, curve it up. I'm not yeah. sure what. Just okay. mm. trying to describe your hand motions. You know, to the audience. just return to working. it. Like, you know, return I mean? to it. Like, woo. Like return to sender. Like yeah. mail. Return to sender. You know that song. Address unknown. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's going in the show notes today. No such number. Yeah, you got it, dude. Your Elvis impression is pretty good. No man. such song. <laughs> You listen to that many times. You're pretty good. I put the lid in the box. No, my favorite verse is. <laughs> is that a male person at one point? I, 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 he, says, he says, like, uh, 
I gave the letter to my postman. I put it in his hand. <laughs> like, because like, he's like, maybe it's just getting returned to me. Because well, this has nothing to do with pornography. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Though Elvis, Elvis once mm. thought of his very obscene. Yeah, he was. This hips. was a gyration of the leather-bound hips. And I'm sure he did a porn at some point. Oh, God, are you kidding? Probably. Well. No, I'm not kidding. No. I'm actually being serious. I'm sure there's one. Do you think, really? I mean, maybe it was destroyed at some point, but I feel like... <sighs> Man. Lisa yeah. Mar- No, Lisa Maurice's daughter, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, like, dude, man, we should do a whole separate podcast that's just always about porn. It's that's interesting, it's right? Because, I mean, what was porn in the 50s when Elvis was around? Different. It was like a girl, like, wearing socks that didn't go up to her knees. Not necessarily. I have interesting mm. things to share with you. But oh, anyway, go ahead. Okay, well, all right, we'll come back to it. So, getting to the point, obscene is not in this definition, which I will read. This yes. is our definition from the Oxford English Dictionary. Pornography. Yeah. Uh, affectionately known here today as porn. Uh, the explicit description or exhibition of sexual objects or activity in literature, painting, films, etc., in a manner intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic feelings, printed or visual material containing this. Mm. Now, etymology, right? This word comes from the Greek, obviously, big surprise. Yeah. Combined with the English element, right? So the, the E, the graphy at the end is sort of a you know, you know, uh, suffix that's added to it. But so the, it's a Hellenistic word. Uh, it originally was an adjective that meant to write about prostitutes or one who writes about prostitutes. Yeah. Um, the root of the word is porno. <laughs> okay. Right? Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's the graph and the y are appended to it. Perhaps after the French, um, and then the, so then they're talking about that much later. So then the, the French in the year eighteen hundred, there was a French word porno. porno Pornography, uh, right? Which means a treatise on prostitution. And then in 1842, it came to refer to obscene painting, a description of obscene matters, obscene publication. So actually, we were talking about this. As you see, the etymology towards the 1840s and into 1900s mm-hmm. does use that word obscene. Yeah, and then that's one of the definitions, too, the second definition Mm -hmm. of uh, pornography, which is a study of prostitution obscure. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's commonly used, but it seems to come from, like, the literal definition of that, that some people, um, specifically in the 1850s and once in the 1890s, did that. I'm sure, I don't don't think it's used like that at all now. Um, I think more, like, studies of prostitution have to deal with, like, sex workers or... Like use terms along those lines, yeah. Um, right. Not so much pornography, in that right? Sense. Right. That would come to mean something very different contextually. Yeah, that right. That's totally true. Because that would be weird now if we're like, "Hey, you guys want to read some porn?" And be like, "Oh, cool, man. That sounds like titillating." And then it'd be like, um, "So this is just a sociology paper on <laughs> sex workers." It'd be like, "Oh, that's yeah. not as exciting." That's, well, it yeah. might be. I don't yeah, know. Maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then we have that last day. We're gonna get back to the main one, mm. which you read. Which is the explicit description. Mm. I mean, that's mainly what we're going to focus on. But the uh, the second definition under that first is in, st- in extended use, the pornography of violence, the explicit description or depiction of violence in a manner intended to stimulate or excite. Mm. And this is interesting in that, like, the pornography of violence is, there's kind of a negative connotation there. Um, which we've talked about a bit. Your word obscenity shows up in that first definition in 1956. Mm. Pornography of violence is more widespread in our culture than all the other categories of obscenity put together. 
Mm-hmm. So here talking about, you know, like looking at violence and, you know, violence is meant just to stimulate or excite us instead of... I feel like that's interesting that they use it, uh, the word pornography to talk about the feeling of, like, violence becoming just accepted. You know? Yeah. So that, that's interesting. And I think that's going to fit in to a lot of what we're going to talk about with the main definition. Yeah, and, like, so just to go, come back to the, the, the idea of sexual activity or mm-hmm. sexual objects, yeah. right? And that under that, sec- that definition you just, you just mentioned, which is sort of, like, about the violence... And the pornography of violence. Yeah. That's not really what we're, we're talking about uh, per se today. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, there's an entry from 1967 from Esquire magazine mm-hmm. where um, it's saying, quote, I speak of the new pornography, pornography of violence. In the mm-hmm. new pornography, the theme is not sex. The new pornography depicts practitioners acting in another murkier drive. And then it like lists some pretty graphic, uh, violent acts. Yeah. So... That, in 1967, is pretty edgy stuff for that decade, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that also, um, maybe there's this dovetails a little bit with BDSM, yeah. bondage, um, sadomasochism, and like mm-hmm. that sort of and fetishism, and yeah. you know, this sort of, what is deemed by a lot of people to be sexual deviancy, mm-hmm. but which comes back to the point you were making earlier, which mm-hmm. is that obscenity is subjective, yeah. really. Like, And I think it's important, too, to kind of mention at this point that what we're going to be talking about is the word pornography, right, and talking about that etymology, and not discussing so much um, the discussions around the culture of pornography or the culture of uh, porn, right, or the industry of porn, either, that we're going to be talking about the word itself. I think that's important because there's so much to be said about what is porn. You know, like we talked a little bit, and we'll probably it'll probably come up. Mm-hmm. But what you know, what porn is, what porn can be, what porn is acceptable, is porn okay? These are all important questions, right? And also uh, questions that people study constantly. But what we're definitely interested in is just the word, what it kind of means in itself, pornography, and kind of discussing the end, to, like where it comes from. Like originally, and maybe that can shed some light on how we feel about that word generally yeah. as well. And we're going to talk about the different like differences, but that's important to mention that we're not going to talk about violence, right? Pornography of violence. So we're not going to talk about the industry. We're not going to talk about porn on the internet, and we're not going to get too into that. So that's that's important. And I think that's that's good. That right, nice. right. And so, and we're not going to have too much longer of a conversation over what is obscene because we yeah. could do that all day too. But if you find this uh, podcast to be obscene. You are not alone. <laughs> well, I think, well, that idea of what is obscenity, we're going to come back to. Yeah. Because at the end of this conversation, when we get into that definition, which we're going to talk about, that idea of eroticism, right? What is obscenity? Like, that's going to come back. Because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these quotes in here have the suggestion of obscenity or, or not. So mm-hmm. it's an important thing to start with. I think you're smart. Don't question yourself. Believe in yourself, Max, don't cry for me, Argentina. Well, actually, I don't there's know. a lot of singing happening. In yeah, this. it's kind of weird. Mm. I feel like I feel like you can sense the the amount of joy that we have with being done with grading. Oh, it's this joyful. Semester. It's just joyful. Yeah, it's titillating, you know. Um, <laughs> but we do want to start with the second uh, second example from OED mm-hmm. from 1858 yep. in Little's Living Age, which is a journal, right? Yep. Um, now, in the in this journal, we want to talk about this first because this is going to get into conversation about the first one and kind of the historical precedence of the word pornography. Yeah. Um, so here we have 
this author, right? Uh, Dr. Yovan. Right? Which <laughs> is just is just great. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, it's about it's about a painting. Um, yeah. No, I, this is very confusing. So okay. Well, I I think that it's being used. Yeah. So like this is confusing. I think what this is is this is a magazine from uh, that was pretty popular in 1850s. Yeah. Right. It's called Little's Living Age or The Living Age, published by Little. Yeah. And this is the June. Um, this is volume 734, or volume 57, June 19th, 1858. Okay. So this is a this is kind of like People Magazine of the time. Right? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. It's like a widely read magazine with a lot of different topics to it. And I found this online. It's pu- it's publicly available in the public domain. Oh, so nice. you can actually look at any issue of this. Oh, that's cool. It's pretty interesting. I think it was under Cornell's website had this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, you can look at the table of contents. You can read other articles. This one is titled Inside Canton, and it's pretty much a travelogue like it looks like travel writing yeah so that's what i thought too but if you read the beginning um which later on is where our word comes in so i didn't i didn't start at the beginning i kind of started in the middle Mm -hmm. but the beginning states uh canton Mm -hmm. or canton um as painted by dr yvonne is a city in a kaleidoscope a mighty prism reflecting a million rays of light and brilliance sapphire sphere so so is this a review of the book uh, Inside Canton by Dr. Yvonne? Yeah, I think it, it, seemed, I think it, it might seems be. to be. Um, yeah. yeah, and the, there's no there's no author listed, which is kind of sad. But that that's not necessarily unusual. Maybe the book is written by Dr. Yvonne. Yeah, it has to be. And Unless, this is just the, the like the editors of this magazine. It would be really great if instead this was written by the Dr. Yvonne and that this doctor kept referring to themselves in the third person throughout. I'm gonna, I'm willing to guess that it's a review of a, a book about traveling in China because later on we get to the part that's important for us, right? Yeah. So a bit down, uh, for, further down, I'm just going to kind of read uh, a little bit before where our word comes in, right? Um, basically because, and I'm going to skip around a little bit, mm. because as as we find with many of our words, there's always something offensive in there, which to me, I think that would be my version of obscene. It's yeah. just this crap that people say What's all the time. What's offensive, right? Oh sure. my God, all this shit. Like, right. So... Uh, in London, eternal fog would weigh down his eyelids. Here, the he is, Dr. Yvonne. Right. His eyelids enroll melancholy shadows about his brain. And you had mentioned earlier, this is pretty over, overwritten for a review. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's exciting. Yeah. Um, he has but one practical reminiscence of England. And that is when, quote, those insipid bits of fried or roasted meat which people eat in London, end quote, are contrasted with the delicacies of the race. So we're talking about Chinese, yeah. the, the Chinese here, yeah. right? <clears throat> delicacies of the race that feeds on rats, cataracts, <laughs> rice, fatty cakes, and puppies. Wow. wow. Just, just mm-hmm. really digging in there. Sure. So that was great to mm-hmm. read and mm-hmm. slightly offensive. Yep. Um, and then later, later on, we're skip down. We'll get to parts. So he's talking about like the. Dr. Yvonne's experiences and how he's describing the experiences of being in China. Right. And then the house into which Dr. Yvonne was originally introduced at Canton was uh, of a composite disorder, mingling the European with the Oriental with a roof of sparkling gr- 
granite, stores of silk, tea, and musk. It's just like, oh my god, how many stereotypes can you just like yeah. run in here? Anyway, right. um, and hospitable <laughs> ranges of apartments hung with silk, separated by ivory and ebony lattices, and in the harem portions, decorated with a species of pornography that would have shocked Apuleius and given uh, Perhassus a hint. A hint as yeah. to something sexy. Yeah. So here we have um, a species of pornography. And here it's talking about um, just like the decorations of there, right? And then in the harem portions decorated with a species of pornography, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of talking about how pornographic, right, or explicit the kind of artwork or like decorations or were there. And so we don't even know if it's explicitly sexual here as much as kind of a turn of phrase talking about how maybe gaudy, you know, the decorations were or whatever. Though, if you're going to use the word pornography, I'm assuming, especially in this context, right, I'm assuming that you're talking about, like, like things that you consider lewd. Right, yeah. the you know the author Dr. Yvonne considered yeah. Dr. Yvonne's definition of obscenity, yeah, which is lurid things. Mm-hmm. But it, I get the sense from this particular article and its context, being it being a review of what looks to be a book on travel at the yeah. time, uh, for Americans who most likely have never been to China and, yeah. at all, and and have only the most stereotypical views of it, yeah. just like this person does, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a sensory it's being used to describe like who knows you know we don't have a picture here so we don't know yeah. what it is he's talking about but it sounds like he might be just using it to talk about all the sensory things he's experiencing like yeah. just early in that sentence he talks about uh, the smells right yeah silk tea and musk roof of, roof of sparkling granite which is like a visual thing mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot it's a it's a sensuous mm-hmm. kind of right so maybe just sensuous in a in a more tamped down I don't know. It's interesting, right? We get yeah. to wonder about that. But so, Mike, yes, from that quote that you read, mm-hmm. uh, that last part caught my attention. Right? Okay. This is when uh, Doctor, the reviewer of Doctor Ivan mentions two Greeks. Yes. One is named Apuleius, mm-hmm. and that he says decorated with species of pornography that it was shocked Apuleius. So I thought, well, this person Apuleius must have had some pretty. Uh, Lucy Goosey Morals? I don't know. Yeah, it might be something. a guy who likes him some pornography. Right? <laughs> Is this a guy who goes online every day compulsively? To re- mm-hmm. No. It turns out, in fact, Apuleius was uh, is not around today. No. He was a Greek. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So there's no Greeks around today. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, yeah. All the Greeks that I know are gone. <laughs> or in Greece. And they might as well be gone if they live in Greece. Well, that makes no... That's... I hope we don't have any Greek listeners who. Yeah, just you're just offended. alienating. I just offended the entire country. Alienating our Greek, our Greek audience. You know what? Maybe uh, if we were invited to go to Greece, yeah. we could do a podcast from Greece. That'd that, be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be a good way of apologizing for me saying dumb things about mm-hmm. Greece. But we we've come back to Greek or uh, ancient thinkers at least, mm-hmm. right? A few times in different podcasts, especially the politics episode last. Oh, yeah. Our last episode and yeah. previous ones, you know, so mm. this is, they're important to our language and to these words. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, okay, so, well, that's true. That is very true. So that's why we keep coming back. And this guy, Apuleius, right? So who is Apuleius? Well, this is, I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought this was really interesting because we're getting 
to our first, uh, the first instance from the OED, the very earliest definition in English mm-hmm. that we have of pornography. And this is going to relate to Apuleius because it's about ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Yeah. So that one, that's from 1842. Yeah. Right. And it's by this guy named William Smith who wrote basically an encyclopedia of ancient Greek and Roman stuff. Okay. And it was called Dictionary, Greek and Roman Antiquities. Ah. And uh, we'll get to that quote, right? But I just wanted to connect because we're actually moving in the same direction where we want to go. We want to pursue the roots and the origins of this word. Yeah. The earliest one is this guy, William Smith's Dictionary, about Greek and Roman stuff. So the Greeks and the Romans, right? So anyway, who is Apuleius? Apuleius, uh, born in uh, 125 B.C., Mm. Or wait, no, A.D., sorry. He was born in 125 A.D., died in 190. So I don't know what time period that is in the, the timeline of the Roman Early, order, just early. Pretty early. It's right? early. So he's African-born, he's a popular philosopher, a lecturer, he's famous for a Latin novel that survives in its entirety, the 11-book Metamorphoses, uh, titled in the present day as The Golden Ass. Oh, interesting. Meaning, instead of a jerk, uh, ass meaning a donkey. Yeah, or, or a mule, I guess. Well, I think it's interesting too because um, Ovid has his metamorphoses as well. Yeah, right. and there's some mention of Ovid in some of the online stuff that we looked at um, in relationship to Apuleius. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so like that's true, right? So maybe that's why you know it's it's called this. Oh, it's all similar. Like you know, it's all connected. Like there's these these uh, stories of metamorphosis. You know, like. You're going to explain in a second who the golden ass is, right? But, like, that's that's the whole idea of, like, this kind of changing. But it's interesting when we get to how Apuleius deals with sexuality um, as opposed to the way that Ovid deals with sexuality. Because mm. Ovid's metamorphoses is very, very, di- like, different. I'll have a Stiff couple things to add. probably. No. No. No, dude. Mm. I mean, I'll, oh, this fun. is... There's at least one one fun story from Ovid's Metamorphosis that I'll share. Really? Maybe it's from Art of Love instead. But there's a fun Ovid story I'll share oh, with you. Oh, sweet, after. man. All right. So this when is we good. get there. When this, we get there. This is... The, you're entering the section of the episode today where we just we, we, we just share some dirty stuff from... from, <laughs> from ancient times. From ancients. Yeah, Old from writers. ancient scholars. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, The Golden Ass. This is the name of the book. Uh, I guess it was retitled by St. Augustine, actually. It was called uh, oh. that. So, uh, basically, it's about this young guy named Lucius, uh, who is uh, whose adventures begin in the town of Thessaly, and it, that place was reputed home of sorceries and black magic. Ooh. Um, so, he's actually changed into a donkey, the ass and the golden ass, yeah. and he falls in the hands of robbers. Uh, so, it's... My, all right, so it's a long story, right? So, yeah. anyway... Uh, we're interested in this because uh, one of the more famous tales, uh, as a side note, is the story of Cupid and Psyche, and that's a mm-hmm. famous tale. It's a famous love story. Uh, it's like a myth. Uh, anyway, we're interested in a couple different parts of the Golden Ass, which are um, lurid, yeah. even by modern standards, right? So in the course of his adventures as a uh, donkey, Lucius witnesses the obscene orgies of lewd Syrian priests... And okay. here's four dirty stories. Yeah. <laughs> and the dirty stories are The Tale of the Tub, The Baker's Wife, The Lost Slippers, and The Fuller's Wife. So uh, just to finish just talking about this book, uh, where this stuff comes from, this is probably what our friend Dr. Yvonne's reviewer yeah. was talking about, is these dirty stories from the Golden Ass. Uh, 
replete with magic, horror, comedy, romance, death, witchcraft, copulation, torture, castration, mm. and spatterings of urine and excrement. The tales are held together by Apuleius's bizarre vocabulary, dizzying pace, and genius as a storyteller. So at the end of the story, uh, he has a vision of the goddess Isis. Uh, she transforms him into a human again. And he basically, he basically, like, after all his, like, dirty travels, yeah. he's like, ah, uh, he becomes, like, like a monk kind of a guy. Okay. He just reforms, turns over a new leaf. No this sounds deal. like an insanely fun book to read. Oh, my God, man. So, all right. So we, we, um... Aren't going to share the entire story of yeah. any of those four dirty tales, but maybe we should summarize the tale of the tub. Yeah. Do you remember how this goes? Yeah. So basically, basically, I mean, all this, all these tales are kind of told together according to what we could find online, mm-hmm. which is basically the uh, Lucius as a donkey hears um, the baker's wife, I believe. Yeah, the baker's no, the, the Miller's wife. No, the, the Miller's, Miller's wife. wife. <laughs> Sorry, a lot so, of wives. Yeah, a lot of wives. The miller's wife is being told a story about this philanderer, Mm -hmm. right, who, this young boy who's sleeping around, Mm -hmm. and he, and she's like, oh, that sounds great. Basically, (laughs) him and this this other person's wife um, trick uh, the the husband into thinking that she, the wife is not sleeping with somebody else. And so uh, she's like, oh, I'm totally going to do that too. So the tale of the tub is, she invites... She invites him over. There's like the short version, not the actual written yeah, out With version. the intent to sleep with them. Yeah. Like committing adultery. Yes. Like, you know, so these all are adultery tales, right? Yeah. Or tales of adultery. Yeah. And she invites him over. Um, you know, they're like getting intimate, right? The yeah. Barry White is playing, yeah, sure, right? Sure. You know, bad things are about to happen. Or the the and, equivalent of Barry White, which is probably like a loot and like a. Yeah, you know, like, you a, like, a, like, a, like she invites you. You have to hire him. There's no recording devices then. I mean, it's just. The world was a harder place back sure. then. Yeah. Um, no, but you know she's she's like seducing this boy who's like a known flander around yeah. town. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the the miller had gone to the Fuller's house. Right. There's a lot of Ullers in this yeah. Yeah. Um, for dinner. But then the miller comes back early and she hides. Mm. Uh, Her the, husband, right? Yeah, the husband comes back early. Yeah. So so the wife hides the boy in the, in a tub. Yeah, is and it in or under? It, it's I might be under the tub. I don't remember, but it, in under around a tub. Yeah, and uh, the Miller left the dinner party early because he was telling a story of how the Fuller's wife unsuccessfully hid her part or her partner that she was committing adultery with underneath a basket. Like how how big's the basket? It doesn't sound like a good adulterer. plan at all. This just sounds awful. This is the nested story too, right? It's interesting. Yeah, so stories within stories. Yeah. And then because uh, the wife of the miller has been treating uh, Lucius uh, poorly, yeah, Lucius uh, stomps on the boy's hand, yeah. makes him scream, and the miller finds yes. the boy. And then the most interesting part of that, which we read, which I'm not sure... We'd have to go back to the original source. This was kind of just looking up what the story was. Right. Um, was that the miller takes the boy to bed. Yeah. And then kicks out the wife, yeah. and then she gets her revenge. So that's a little She gets vague. her revenge by, like... like Cursing him with black magic. Yes, cursing him with black magic. So it's a little vague, like what specifically happens. Also, I'm kind of hoping that that's literally all that's said. So there's like this weird moment of 
The Miller's like, you were going to cheat on me? Well, now I'm going to cheat on you. With this little kid yeah. over here. Yeah. And so, <laughs> supposedly, the rest of the stories um, that uh, Apuleius talks about are pretty dirty. And, like, yeah. they're supposed to be, like, very lewd or very obscene, to yeah, use the yeah. word we have in. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to share what with you What do you think about, about that story? I, it's weird, right? Yeah. Like, um... <laughs> I, I wonder I, I wonder how much it's related to Ovid and if there's anybody who who knows this or is experts in this or has studied this before, yeah. we'd be happy to hear from you about mm-hmm. this because I know that and I think it's the art of love, but Ovid has the art of love and the metamorphoses, which I've both read, um, but it was it's been a while. But my favorite story from Ovid and like those stories generally to kind of give a quick thing on it is like they, they depict um, actions in Rome during the height of the Roman Empire, and everyone's kind of sleeping with everybody, right? Like, um, Really? There's not, like, or at least Ovid is, right? Like, Ovid <laughs> is talking about it. So he's and the Leonardo DiCaprio of the story, you might say. I, I guess. I don't know, like, how many people Leo, Leo sleeps with in mm-hmm. his personal life. Um, but sure he's, he's uh, <laughs> he would be, what's the, what's the famous... Uh, Guy who slept around a lot that I'm thinking. Oh of. yeah, the, the uh, Marquis de Sade. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, same time period though. Yeah, Don, Casanova. Don, Casanova, right? So I'm thinking, you know, like, Juan. Right? Yeah. So Ivan, you know, Ivan wasn't that, but like he talks a lot about like people who just seem a lot to be open relationships, and maybe it wasn't true necessarily, mm-hmm. but at least in his books, you know, like people are much more open, or people are like you know cheating on their spouses and whatever. And one of the best stories. Or my favorite, I'm pre- in uh, either in the art of love or metamorphosis, is uh, he goes to uh, sleep with his mistress, right? His like the woman that he's sleeping with at this mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and she she's married, and so he goes he goes in to the you know to the, up to the gate, uh, and the guy at the gate won't let him in. Right, he goes. Nope, the you know, you know is that the my the boss husband? said oh. no, no. Like so, it's just like a dude, who, guy. yeah, like a guard. And the guard's like, nope. She said you can't come in today, oh, right? Okay. So he's all upset, and he like yells at her, like, "Why yeah. won't you let me in?" Yeah. And oh. if you read it, it's it's a little confusing, but uh, there basically what happens is, and it, it is couched in a lot of language that isn't explicit, right? It's not as explicit, but. Ovid stands outside of the gate, right? Mm. Like, going, yeah, let me in. She's like, no. And then he stands outside the gate and masturbates onto the gate because he's so upset that he can't be let in. And then leaves. Oh, just angry. No, I think he... Angry style. The story is ba- like it's it's much more beautiful the way that he puts it. But basically, sure. what yeah, but basically what he like he's just so sad, he's so distraught, right? That he just like he leaves it there. Wow, know? that's it's an just, interesting way to uh, express yourself. Yeah, it's, kind of it's like all about a, sadness. It's not anger. It's not from anger. It's about no, no, disappointment sure. and sadness. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Like it is weird. So I wonder if that's that coming is, that from is the weirdest story ever. I, I I wonder if that's coming from the same idea as Apuleius, which is like these weird stories. There's also these weirder stories of the old um, uh, king, like king queen of the Byzantine Empire, right? Um, and like stories of, and I can't remember uh, Justinian, I believe. Oh yeah, you know Justinian and his wife. I can't remember his wife's name, mm. but stories of like how she used to like uh, ride couch couches 
uh, like the like the where you, your arm rests, right? She used to like sexually pleasure herself on there, and they're meant to like kind of show these these people in bad lights. Yeah, they're like, yo, like these are your sure. rulers, and look how awful and depraved they sure. are. Um, yeah. And so I wonder if that's a similar, or if this is coming from maybe more positive way of viewing it, you know, or Apuleius at least with the story of uh, of Lucius, you know, the golden ass seems to be suggesting these are bad things, right? Like, look how stupid they are and ridiculous. Yeah, isn't adultery dumb? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look exactly. So you look at the end of the golden ass when he sort of re- reconverts himself, he reforms himself, and becomes like a religious person. Yeah. Well, becomes a person and then becomes religious. Yeah. But uh, so that might be seen as a happy ending to the story, and that's like maybe where we can get an argument out of it. That, yeah. Like, you know, uh, Apuleius is like actually arguing for sort of um, more. I don't want to say prudish, but like mm. more. Uh, Conservative lifestyle than the than the the tale of yeah. the tub or the baker's wife or the fuller's wife or any of those things. Yeah, that Ovid story is that is some lurid stuff, man. There's some yeah. people who would find that to be obscene. Dude, Ovid, Art of Love, man. It's, wow, um, is that a book or a story? It's a book. It's oh, a book. Okay. Um, yeah. It's poetry. It's poetry. So sure, epic poetry. poetry. Uh, no, 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 epic poetry. Mm. Let's let's not split hairs. All right. Let's. It's just a book. Yeah. No, Art of Love is good though. I mean, Ovid is some interesting. I am not a big fan of like really old poetry. Yeah. But I dig Ovid. I like dig Ovid. me some Ovid heart. Like Ovid's Ovid. metamorphoses are, are more about like kind of myths or myths of people who change. Um. So it's got to be in the Art of Love. I'm almost 100 percent positive it is. But you know, like different times. And I think this is what we're going to come back to. Different times have different standards for what is acceptable. Yeah. In love or in lust, sure. Um, and what is not, you know? sure. Premarital sex, okay or not okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, on the bad side or the violent side of like, how do we treat women, right? Sure. Uh, like, you know, do we treat them as humans, as you know, equals? And each culture is different too. Um, yeah. So it's you know, look all at that the stuff. Bu- uh, biblical stories of like yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And how mm-hmm. those are reinterpreted and, and however people want them to be. Yep. Right. So that's also about sexual norms changing over time and various cultures. So, but you were mentioning something that is interesting, which sort of has to do with classism a little mm-hmm. bit too, like the rulers and how they're trying to be portrayed by certain authors in a mm-hmm. bad light. And so they did that by making them do sexy stuff or like mm-hmm. dirty things. Um, yeah. So this is relating to our, our last, uh, well, actually our second. Reference uh, from the OED to pornography, yeah. but it is the the earliest reference mm-hmm. that we have. That's the one I mentioned earlier from William Smith, eighteen forty two, his Dictionary of Greek and Roman Antiquities. Right. So under the, it's a it's a dictionary. It's like an encyclopedia. So okay. many pages are in this uh, book. It's a very long book, and it, many pages in particular on the entry for painting. Mm-hmm. So this is on page nine twelve in that book. Uh, we get this first earliest reference in English to pornography uh, in the sense that the OED has listed it. So I'll just read a couple pieces from this. Um, so near the bottom of this page, he starts talking about, Smith starts, talk, starts talking about the decline of painting in mm. Greece. So as opposed to Rome, but the Greece that precedes Rome. Yeah. He says the consequence was that the artists of those times... Basically, I'll summarize what's going on. He says, with the death of Alexander the Great, um, the, uh, there was so much good art around mm-hmm. 
that when new cities or, or buildings were being built, um, the rulers would just would rather go to really sick art, art that's already been done, mm-hmm. like you know whoever it is, sculpture or whatever that's already been made, and just dig it up or cut it out or move it and just put it in their new building. <laughs> because there's so much good art, and they did this with paintings too, right? So or frescoes, or whatever they were yeah. doing, and they would rather do that than commission new works. Yeah. So artists at the time were forced to like cast around to find a new way of expressing themselves yeah. that was going to get some patronage, right? Yeah. So uh, the intelligent higher classes of the population, upon whom, upon whom chief uh, painters chiefly depend being to a great extent engrossed by politics or engaged in war, um, also were preoccupied. So this is setting the stage for what he calls pornography, right? Yeah. He says, quote, the consequence of all this was the artists of those times were under the necessity of trying other fields of mm-hmm. art, of attracting attention by novelty and variety. Mm-hmm. Thus, riparography, pornography, and all the lower classes of art attained the ascendancy and became the characteristic styles of the period. Yeah. And then slightly lower, next paragraph he says, in the lower descriptions of painting, which prevailed in this period, pyresis, pyresis was preeminent. He was termed riparagraphos on account of the mean quality of his subjects. He belonged to the class of genre painters, um, or painters de genre bas, as the <laughs> French term them. And the, the Greek word, therefore, is apparently equivalent to our expression, the Dutch style. Pornography, he says, Smith goes on to say, pornography or obscene painting, which in the time of the Romans was practiced with the greatest license, prevailed especially at no particular period in Greece, but was apparently tolerated to a considerable extent at all times. End quote. So, isn't that interesting? So, like, <clears throat> just as a side note, this riparography, riparography, yeah. Um, is a really that's a really very obsolete term and it mm-hmm. was uh, a word that one writer at this time coined to describe a particular painter and his work oh, so we don't really need to talk about that too much it's just associated with pornography which is obviously the word that survives yeah probably because it's a little bit easier to pronounce mm-hmm. you know um, but yeah this guy William Smith does term pornography to be obscene painting yeah that's his definition um and he calls it, he says it's among the lower classes of yeah. art. So that's why I mentioned huh. classism. And he also says, isn't this interesting, right? He says that um, he, it, it was coined that, and this is actually he's talking about riparography here, but they're, again, equivalent terms. He says, on account of the mean quality of his subjects. Yeah. And I think what that means is he's not painting kings and queens. Mm-hmm. He's not painting emperors or even soldiers. He's painting the common people, right? He's painting people who aren't normally the subject of this, maybe which is a new thing that might have some novelty, yeah. which might appeal to audiences in a different way because it's unusual. Yeah. Right? So, so but what's interesting is that the mean quality, maybe there was some sexy stuff going on, but it doesn't seem yeah. to be the, the defining characteristic of pornography at the time. The defining characteristic seems to be the, the content or the, the, the subjects that are being painted, the mean quality of them, the genre painting. Yeah. So this reminds me, I don't know about you, Matt, but like my favorite Renaissance painter is Caravaggio. Okay. And Caravaggio, he's, like, he's the guy who does chiaroscuro, you know, that like, like very um, striking use of light and shadow. 
My uh, my Renaissance art knowledge is lacking significantly. Okay. So just be prepared for that. Okay. <laughs> Mine is too. I don't know anything about yeah. art history at all. All yeah. I know is that Caravaggio is awesome. I love Caravaggio. Yeah. Anyway, so he he's known uh, for being great, but he's he's also known for being a little crazy mm. and for painting uh, traditionally religious subjects like let's say the Virgin Mary, yeah. the birth of Jesus, all this stuff, right? But using as models for those characters in the paintings, prostitutes. Oh, interesting. People from down the street. Yeah. People who are very poor. Okay. The lower classes, the mean classes, yeah. right? So um, that made me think of Caravaggio. But uh, what's interesting is that he was he was condemned by some people at the time for doing yeah. it. But really, he was just doing what these guys were doing, mm. the pornographers of ancient Greece. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder too, because it seems like they're a little bit different in that... Uh, Who? Ribe uh, uh, Paragraphy mm. seems to be more about the quality of the subject as mm. opposed to pornography is obscene, right? Mm. Um, so I wonder how much they're actually connected in this and how much, Maybe, yeah. how much they might be just two different things. And he says all the lower classes of art. Um, but I'm always suspicious when people talk about low classes of art, right? And people talk about art that is, like, lesser. Always suspicious of that. And I always find um, it interesting when things are labeled as that. So I wonder that, like, things that probably hang up in museums now, right, that just have maybe naked women or, like, you know, those little angels that are naked. Cherubs. Yeah. Cherubim, Would that have been considered pornography? And then I wonder if there's, you know, because he doesn't mention anybody specifically here. This is just part of the decline. His section on, like, the decline of the art. Later on, he just says, of the few painters who still maintain the dignity of the dying art, the following may be mentioned, but there was no mention of mm-hmm. the ones who didn't, who, who, you know, did this. So I don't know. It's really it, that's that's interesting to call like it, it comes from like describing art as pornography. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's specifically about art. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that at the time, mm-hmm. how are people going to entertain themselves? Mm-hmm. Well, nobody could read. Mm-hmm. Nobody could write. Well, the lower classes could. Well, right. Mo- the majority of people who were mm-hmm. probably the lower classes, yeah, right? Yeah. Which were to, which today we would we would deem them to be servants and yeah, right yeah. Uh, slaves. Yeah. But, yeah, so what do you do for fun? You listen to music, you play music, maybe uh, dance. Tell, tell stories. Food, tell stories. Mm-hmm. Oral history. Oral history, yeah. And maybe you look at some of the art by that artists have done, like paintings Well, and it's stuff. public art. I mean, I mean Gre- art, right. ancient Greece was big into public art, right? But, right, yeah. But some of these things seem to be for individual people, right? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't be able to see something mm-hmm. that, like, they mention... Uh, Marcus Aurelius is one of the ones who to- tolerated this, you know, bad quote unquote art, yeah. and and so if they like if they have it, a regular person isn't going to see it. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. So I I wonder, it's weird. It's weird. So yeah. it's still art being made for those who can pay for art, yeah. which are the wealthier classes, or you right, know, right. this in this case, you know, the few people sure. who are obscenely wealthy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's the sort of ancient Greek 
section yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. Um, without further ado, <laughs> right? Let's go on to the last entry we're going to read today. Yeah, which is um, not the earliest, mm-hmm. but it's from the OED. It's from 1930. The book published in 1930 by uh, Somerset Maugham. Somerset Maugham. Maugham. I used to pronounce his name wrong. I thought it was Maugham. Yeah, it's not. It's Maugham. It's Maugham. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he's an English author who is prolific. He wrote a ton of stuff. Yeah. And this is later in his writing career. It's actually a nonfiction travelogue book. It's a yeah. book of his travels in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. um, when it was still under the control of the British Empire. Oh, yeah. So this is probably a guy who was uh, contemporary with George Orwell. Okay. Right? I'm thinking of Shooting an Elephant, which is an article uh, by George Orwell that's about his time at isn't serving Ar- as a British isn't police Isn't Orwell the 50s? Well, his later stuff is, okay. but earlier he, before he became famous, he was writing and working as a British police officer in Burma. Oh, okay. And this book takes place in Burma. Okay. okay. And Siam, which is now known as uh, Thailand, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Burma is now known as Myanmar. Yeah. Right? Or Myanmar, I'm not sure. Myanmar. So anyway, uh, th- yeah. So this is a travel book. It's a nonfiction book. And it's pretty entertaining, actually, and it's really yeah. crisply written. So I'll I'll read the the quote. Uh, which is pornography rather than brevity mm-hmm. is the soul of wit. <laughs> now, this is funny because I want to give you the context for this yeah. because it's going to lead to our game. Okay. All right. I'm okay. excited. I'm All right. Excited. So a couple other pages I read because I've read more of this book. I like this book. It's called yeah. The Gentleman in the Parlor, yeah. right? So this is from page 54. He says, There can be nothing so gratifying to an author as to arouse the respect and esteem of the reader. Make him laugh and he will think you a trivial fellow. But bore him in the right way, and your reputation is assured. <laughs> so, see, he's already starting to talk about laughter, and that comes back a couple pages later, right? Yeah. So when we get to this quote, um, let's see here. Okay. This is where we come back to the idea of joking and laughter, and it has to do with this quote, which I will get to. Uh, but anyway, this is the context, right? So, Mom, he's traveling. He's obviously a white guy in Burma. He's got a long train of pack animals and servants with him mm-hmm. and an interpreter. So he's in this area that I think, I'm not sure if this is still Myanmar or somewhere else, but it might be Thailand, I'm not sure. Yeah. He's traveling, he's going through these long fields of elephant grass, It's very tall grass that goes like the height of the shoulders of a man. So he's on, he's on horseback, and he's going from town to town and passing all these towns, and the people, without fail, every time he passes a town, all the town elders come out. Like the elders, their nephews, the clerk of the town, like all the most important people in town come out and meet him. They always have gifts for him, like eggs, yeah, um, you know, um, incense. Yeah, they give him stuff like that. So anyway, he's this has happened so much that mom starts to come up with. They, they give him a long speech saying, "Here's our our gifts. We're yeah. welcoming you to our town." So mom is like, "Well, I have to make a speech in exchange. I can't just say thanks, guys. Later, right?" So he he writes a speech and he starts thinking about what to say to them, and he comes up with this joke. So he comes up with a speech, and he wants to tell them his great joke that he has a lot of pride in. He thinks he really is being clever. So finally, they get to this town. All the same things happen. The elders come out. They give him the eggs. They give him their gifts. He uh, goes. He launches into this speech that he's pre-written, and he gets to the joke, right? He leans forward. There's excitement in his voice. He's pumped. He delivers this joke. There is no reaction on the face of the people at all. There's zero emotion. And he finishes his speech, and they get up and leave. Now, meanwhile, this is all delivered through his interpreter. So he's like, but he trusts his interpreter. He says, I, you know, it's a good guy. So 
he says, um, <laughs> are these people stupid? Why didn't they get the joke? And he was like, well, you know, they are stupid. The interpreter says, they're, they're very stupid. They're always like that. They're, they're like that every time I give the speech. He's like, what do you mean this speech? He's like, the interpreter's like, I give the same speech every time. You can say whatever you want. They're not going to get it. <laughs> so he's like, I could just oh, learn my multiplication tables, and they would. I could say that, and they would They would still have the same reaction. He's like, yeah, say whatever you want. Oh my God. So anyway, this is kind of funny. He tells that story because it's fun, kind of funny. Yeah. But he, this is the quote that we got, which is Somerset Maugham talking about humor, mm-hmm. right? And he's writing the joke. He says, now one morning I suddenly thought of an entirely new jest. It was a very good one, and I saw in the twinkling of an eye how I could bring it into my speech. And then he says, the lot of the English and the American humorist is hard, for pornography rather than brevity is the soul of wit. But the prudishness of his audience and perhaps their sentimentality has forced him to look for a laugh everywhere but where it is most easily found. But just as the poet may beat out more exquisite verse when he is constrained by the complicated measures of a pindaric ode, than when he has the elbow room of blank verse, so the difficulties pleaded in the way of our humorists have often resulted in their making unexpected discoveries in the ludicrous. So this is what leads to our game. He says, they've found a rich load of laughter where but for the taboos they would never have sought it. The two pitfalls that threaten the humorous are the inane on one side and the disgusting on the other. (laughs) So, that's the two points he makes. Basically, in other words, if you are trying not to offend your audience and you go too far into G-rated territory, it becomes inane. And if you're going too far in the other direction and trying to make them laugh, you start to drift into the obscene in the revolting yeah. and basically fart jokes. Yeah. And they're going to be dis- disgusted by you. Yeah. They're not going to laugh. So is so is the joke of pornography being the you know is the soul of wit. Does that mean like dirty jokes are the funniest? Yeah, I think he thinks dirty jokes are the funniest, but you can't tell them. So, so that's weird. what he was saying about Pendark Odes. He's yeah, sort of yeah. saying there's a form here for the joke. It's how do we say, how do we allude to the dirtiest thing yeah. without actually saying it? Or how do you get close to it in a way that is funny? And that's the, that's the hard part. And this is actually a great, I forgot, this is actually a really great uh, analogy he makes. Right after that he says, um, but by this time I knew my public, and this joke, though I hope not coarse, just touch the obscene as a mosquito touches your face and then flies away buzzing when you slap. Oh, that's funny. So basically he wants to be obscene, just not like super. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Tongue in cheek, sort of subtle, right? So I am excited about your game, right? I am. We're going to get to that later. But, and we're going to get to it in a second, but I just wanted to make a quick reference so I think it's interesting. I'm really into these connotations of these definitions, right? Which is that pornography has a negative connotation. Porn is negative, right? We we usually feel that way, though not always. Like there are people who have different de- you know feelings about it. But I find it interesting that at least the definition that the OED gives seems negative. The explicit description or exhibition of sexual subjects or activity in literature, etc., in a manner intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic feelings. And so you have this mention of, like, stimulating erotic as opposed to aesthetic. Setting those up next to each other seems to value one more than the other. But I found it fascinating because uh, I think that this idea of what is erotic and eroticism, those words are... 
are less negative, right? That when you talk about pornography in the common in the common language as opposed to erotica, right? Um, if someone says they enjoy erotica, that's more socially acceptable than someone who says they enjoy enjoy pornography, right? So it seems like it's For more sure. okay, yeah. For sure, well, like to a wider swath, right? Like less people think it's weird, right? And yeah. so I I quickly looked up because it's part of the pornography definition, the word erotic and erotica. Okay. And I think that these two things are, are fascinating for this reason. Is that it says, erotic is of or pertaining to the passion of love, concerned with or treating of love, amatory. Uh-huh. Right? Um, later on, a doctrine or science of love. And erotica is matters of love, erotic literature or art frequently is a heading in catalogs. Right? Oh, wow, yeah. So... Erotica deals with love, and to be erotic deals with love. But pornography seems to be more focused on what you described earlier as the obscene, right, or as the explicitly sexual, mm-hmm. right. Um, and if we're going to take these definitions together, pornography, it, you know, it's in a manner intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic feelings, to stimulate feelings of love as opposed to. Aesthetic feelings. If we take it that way, that seems to not be the intention of the of the OED's definition. But yeah, true, it's interesting. So I think that this is you know without getting too much into like you know studies around porn and like things like that. I think there's a possibility that these definitions that we're looking at, these older ones, might not be as negative. As we think they are. Now, it's very clear that mm-hmm. the one about old Greek art is very clearly negative, right? Yeah. It's like saying this is this is lesser, this is for the lesser class, this is a lesser class of art. Um, but I wonder how, you know, it, with these contexts that we're looking at, you know, W. Smith is clearly negative. Little, it's unclear if it's negative. Yeah. Because it's that description of the house, yeah. and the house seems like it seems like a very great description. Yeah. And then we get to the you know the the what the harem portions, yeah. which I don't know, again, <laughs> the like, ladies live. Yeah, I, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and decorated with a species of pornography, representations of a love. But yeah. Yeah. why choose that word? I mean, it's the early it's yeah. the early usage of the word. Yeah. So I wonder, like a lot of the words that we've talked about so far. On the podcast, which, it, you know, we talk about this change, right? Like how words change over time. And when we see those early ones, we get later on in uh, the mo- the more recent one that they give, 2005, which I'm sure there's like thousands of uses of this word, you know, after that. Uh, this idea of sentencing has been set for a man who pleaded guilty to downloading child pornography on a work computer. Mm. Even the 1994 one before that, mm. no literary genre can match pornography for initial excitement and fast-arriving boredom. Mm. Here, like, these are clearly negative, right? I mean, like, the idea with, like, child pornography, right? This isn't child eroticism, right? Because, like, even that phrase is kind of awful to say out loud, and I'm never saying it again, ever, ever mm-hmm. again. But... That's it's negative. That connotation's negative. Is it 
always negative. Is that definition from Little's Living Age, is that a negative connotation? The Smith one definitely is, right? But mm-hmm. is it? And then we go back to the uh, the old Greek that we looked at. Mm-hmm. And that's also ne- it's negative, right? This is about adultery, right? So yeah. this is all about you know like this the shaming, right of uh, of these people to say like don't do this thing or you know this is a bad thing or this isn't sexy, this isn't cool. Um, but then like kind of juxtaposing that with Ovid, which is I don't know if it's a great juxtaposition to do, you know, because I don't think they're that related, right? But the art of love, I mean like that that moment that I told, which is a funny it's a funny poem, right? I mean it's it's funny. But like those moments in which like he talks about love, he calls it love. Yeah. In which he like goes and sleeps with various women. Mm-hmm. He calls it love and they're married or not married. Mm-hmm. I mean there's a variation of that. Mm-hmm. And he's married, I think, for most of it. So like that's love to him. That is not lust or se- or something dirty, right? That's something nice. That's something clean. Dude, you are making so many hamster wheels in my brain spin really fast. Yeah. I'm thinking all kinds of stuff right now. But it, it's just it, it's just interesting, like where do, where's the word come from? How does the how do they choose to define it? You know, where does that erotic come from? And then this idea of something being erotic, I think the connotation is pretty positive for the most part. I'm sure some people see it as, totally. as negative, right? No, totally. Yeah, I think you're but, right. but pornography we often see as negative, right? Like, there's shame in pornography, there's shame in that stuff. But Dude, what do you think? This is what I'm thinking, man. Mm-hmm. You, I would, this is awesome, man. I would never have thought about this mm-hmm. if you hadn't said all that stuff. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, the differences, you're right, have to do a connotation. Erotica, pornography, they could t- both be talking about the exact same act yeah. or object. Yeah. The exact same piece of art. Yeah. So now it leads us to ask this question, which you were asking, which is like, what's the deal? Why, you know, what, does one have a good connotation, the other yeah. not? What's Little's Living Age trying to say? For me, I, this is what I thought while you were talking, right? Like, maybe it's about how you use or how you interact with the object or the thing and not about mm. the thing itself. Okay. For instance, pornography seems to cause shame because think about internet pornography. Mm. Is it used because um, you want to, like, get in touch with your love for another person? Mm. Or do you love pornography in the sense that erotic uh, erotica refers to love? Mm. No. That's an emotion. That's mm-hmm. a feeling for another human being. That's what mm-hmm. that love means, right? Pornography is not about love at all. It's about a goal, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about trying to get the body to be physically satisfied. Yeah. And something about that seems to be what makes pornography have these ugly connotations, mm-hmm. these shameful connotations, yeah. these mean connotations, right? Yeah. Whereas erotica refers to an, like an emotion hmm. or like a feeling for another person, which obviously does also entail sexual things, yeah. but doesn't necessarily foreground that so, I think so body versus mind you know what I mean dude I, I was just gonna say like or body versus heart in the you know like heart in the um, in a in a uh, more abstract way you know not like as in the physical part of your body but that's fascinating because that's so Puritan that's so American yeah right? I, I like that's <laughs> that's that is so American to like yeah. be ashamed of what your bot like of a thing that is in reference to your body yeah. and to a bodily like want right sure um, as opposed to something that's in you know from your heart or that's in your mind right that logic or feelings are are true but bodily need want is not 
I think that's fascinating. But, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with that, like, everything is so complex. And we don't have time in, in, in our hour-and-a-half-long hour yeah. long podcast yeah. to get into the complexities completely. But it becomes interesting when you think about, you know, the parts of pornography that people are upset about is the, you know, maltreatment of people dur- during it, right? Yeah. The way that people become addicted, like the brain chemistry, like things that people talk about. Yeah. A lot of this different studies of the way it affects our relationships with others and our relationships yeah. with ourselves. True. Mentally, our perceptions of sex and sexuality. Right. And I wonder if the issue, you know, I don't know, like, well, what, like, I think it all comes back. It all comes back to what you're talking about is what do we as a society see as obscene? Because pornogra- pornography is the negative one, right? Mm-hmm. Erotica would be, or erotic would be the positive side of that, yeah. right? Eros, you know, is the good one, right? Which is yeah. ero- where er- erotic comes from, right? right? The idea of Eros is love, right? Um, and, and pornography is, is kind of like a debasement of that, right? It's not a representation of love, but a representation of lo- like this negative lust. side, lust. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, which think of know. like think of uh, Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita, which yeah. we started talking about, right? I think it does have to do with the way you read the book. Like, it's possible to read that book just purely to like you know get off on it just to like yeah. like look for the sections that you think are like lurid or sexy yeah. or something and just like you know just like be like oh yeah or to read it as a like aesthetically and to yeah. read it as a like a work of well written mm-hmm. literature and appreciate it as a story but it depends on which one you're doing yeah and yeah. can't they do they have to be separate yeah, and, and do, does that devalue, you know, if you're reading something just to get off? So yeah. what I was going to mention <laughs> earlier about this idea of pornography, you know, porn, um, like the early, like, early pictures, like depictions of porn, right, existed for a long amount of time. There have been people who have collected old, like, types of yeah. things that were used explicitly for sex, like sexual, like uh, for sexual excitement, right? Yeah, yeah. So things that aren't aren't made just to look at and go, oh, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and, and and it's always like that stuff's always been around, like underground, like drawings and stuff. Just like knowing um, the little bit I do with comics, right, and erotic yeah. comics. Robert Crumb. Um, well, even before him, right? Where like underground comics are coming from. In the 1970s, coming from something very different, mm. but even before that and around that, like you had comics that were uh, handmade, distributed in small amounts, and did uh, and it showed explicit sexual acts. Well, there's um, there's a series that uh, you know when my uncle my uncle's found in a in a house he like closes on houses, and he found these old handmade comics they all depict famous boxers from like boxing you know boxing um from the 1910s 20s and 10s and 20s i guess teens and 20s uh in very lurid sexual acts with women so they're hand drawn they're like just drawn out and like in like almost like they look kind of like flip books if people can imagine that they're not flip books but you know they like things that you you know turn from around that size um so weird but like that stuff existed right images that circulated between people of like pictures of you know when pictures start coming coming around there's like this 
apocryphal story of yeah. like one of the first images was uh, an image of like a woman pleasuring some a horse or like a man mm-hmm. or something, right? Like I, probably not true, right? Or how yeah. true that is, I don't know. But like you know, like this stuff has always existed. This idea of like getting like sexually aroused. Yeah. But what you know, what makes that bad? You know, what makes that the negative part? And I think it has to do with a lot of our beliefs on what obscenity is, yeah, and what is obscene and what is wrong and what's not. So I just think that's interesting. I think it's a, it's a, it's cool when you have a word that can that is so negative but you go back to it and like the the Greek definition is you know writes about prostitutes or studying about that yeah I mean that even is negative like kind of negative suggesting yeah. Yeah. and how these words like come about and where we go with them and how we change them or don't yeah. How much has stayed? And I think that we've explored some words that have changed, yeah. right? Per se, especially like that phrase, how it's changed significantly. Yeah. Um, and this, like, there's, but this has kept a lot of the heart of that negative, it seems, right? A lot of that, like, you know, that darkness, like, whoa. the witchcraft, I don't the know, black whatever it is. Magic. Yeah, yeah. Copulation. <laughs> Which, oh, it's so bad. Right? Yes. So I wonder, I, I wonder, but. You know, and that's that's again ignoring a lot of actual serious issues with like porn and the porn industry. Yeah, not talking about those because again we don't have time. And to. And we're not qualified to. And we're not qualified to. Yeah, so that's ignoring a lot of that. But just the word itself, it's it's interesting to see what stays. Um, you know how how things change, but how things stay the same too. Hmm, wow. I don't know. You know what. I got, I got a borderline erotic pleasure from how smart that was. Right. I you know when you talk to me. I also get excited. It um, nice. It's great. Yeah. I don't know if it would be erotic or porn, or pornography, mm. but um, <laughs> but I will. I'm going to think on it. Sure, for sure. Mull that over. Um, but I'm excited for the game. Uh, I'm not sure how appropriate or obscene this game is um, that you wish to play, but I'm I am very excited. Should there be a warning that we give to our listeners that if they want to skip this part. If they are sensitive, mm. right, to, I don't know, like dirty jokes or whatever, that they should skip this. Yeah, yes, we can offer a, a subtle trigger warning. I think this is a PG game. Oh, okay. It so is PG. Okay. It's a PG game. But, uh, you know, if you've never experienced indigestion in your life, mm-hmm. you're not going to understand this. Right. So, so, so if a parent is listening mm. to this in the car with their children... Do they shut it off? No, they don't need to. Okay, need to shut okay. It off. okay. I think it will provide material for a seven-year-old that will haunt your dreams if you're a parent. You will <laughs> never get away from these things. I'm about to say, so it will not offend their ears, though. Okay, yeah. it, okay. It's not obscene. Let's put That's, it that, way. that is the mo- that that like the word pornography is a very confusing. Mm. Uh, definition, but right. I'm I'm excited. You'll see what I you'll see what I mean. So you're, you're you, much better at these games than I am. Well, the last time with politics, I was just like, let's play a game where I just like make fun of Aristotle and his racism. <laughs> it wasn't a game well, at all. But brought, go ahead. You brought uh, uh, what's that game? The app Tinder. You brought Tinder into it. That's yeah, good. yeah, That's yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Nice uh, modern twist. So this is a game. All right, this game is called Inane or Revolting. Okay. Actually, I'm going to rename it. It's not called that. It's called The Sweet Spot? Question mark? Okay. 
You have three options. Uh, there are six <laughs> questions, okay? okay? This is a game for you only. Okay. All right. I don't get to do it. Yeah, that's right. You, you just get to do I'm it. I'm excited. Uh, and there are three options. It's a multiple choice. Inane is your first answer. Yeah. Revolting is your second answer. This is based on mom, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the third answer, the sweet spot. And it, and so what I mean is, <laughs> okay. the, the explanation is I'm going to tell you a joke. You're going to say that is dumb, and it's but you have to tell me why it's dumb. It's either yeah. too G-rated or plain, yeah. or it's too offensive and gross. Yeah. That would be inane or revolting. Or the sweet spot, that means it's funny and you like the joke and it's good. Okay, I feel like this is going to be very subjective. Oh, of course, just okay. like these yeah, words, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Okay. Question number one. Well, this is not a question. Joke number one. Uh, plateaus, the highest form of flattery. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. I really enjoy puns, though. Mm. So, <clears throat> oh, man. <laughs> so, it, so the options are inane, the sweet spot, or, or revolting. revolting. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the sweet spot. I'm, we're gonna have to po- we're, gonna, we're gonna have to post that up on Twitter because we have, uh, there's a couple like very intense pun loving Twitter accounts mm-hmm. um, that like will enjoy that one. But go Good. ahead. Okay, we'll save up. If you're excited by that, this the rest of this game is gonna really tickle your fans. Okay. Okay. Joke number two. How do you put on a party in space? Oh. You plan it. Okay, that's that's inane. Inane. Okay, that's inane. pretty inane. That one's inane. All right. Wow, no. that was pretty. That was you planet. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. All right, number three. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Why? He didn't have anybody to go with. Oh my god. Oh jeez. That's pretty inane mm. too, man. Okay. I mean, I love them, but right. here's the other one again. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? He couldn't get up the nerve. Really? Come on. Is it the same one? Give it to me. Come on. Okay, fine. I'll give you a sweet spot. Ah, yes. The nerve. All right. Michael likes the nerve. Okay. Cool, cool. All right. (laughs) This is where the game takes a turn. Okay. Okay. All right. Question number four. Joke number four. Why don't farts graduate from high school? Because they're gassy? I don't know. Why? (laughs) I kind of wish that was a joke. I like those, like, weird jokes. Uh, because they always end up getting expelled. What? Oh my god! Mm. Ah, <laughs> Jesus! I don't even know how to answer that one. You Move got on. to man. It's the game. Ah, uh, why don't first graduate? I haven't high explained school. why for any of them. And no. I'm so happy. Yeah. I. Oh my god! <laughs> Somewhere between inane and and sweet spot. I mean, okay, it's just okay. like it's nice. funny, nice. I guess, but like. <laughs> Makes I don't know. Not revolting. Okay, got it. All right. There. Meanwhile, we have six jokes. This is the fifth one. Okay. Fifth joke. What did the high priest comment? What did he comment? What did he say before he flushed the toilet? Okay. What? Holy crap. That's a name. A name. Bad. Yeah, that's a bad one. All right. The last one. Number six. Farting in an elevator is simply wrong on so many levels. That's pretty good. Hmm. Okay, here. That's I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give you. You one. win. You win. This, the game. Is, this is this is a little PG thirteen. Okay. Right. And but this your your level of revolting is very low. Yes. Right? Okay. This this might be more revolting or in okay. bad taste. So it doesn't have to be in revolting, but okay. it has to be in bad taste. A little bit longer of a joke. Okay. Be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Jesus and Moses are sitting on a beach, 
Drinking beers. This is already funny. Jesus looks at Moses after a few beers. Are they says, drinking, what is it, Tecate, Corona? What's the deal? Uh, I imagine if Jesus and Moses were sitting on a beer, on, on like a beach drinking beers, it would be like random. Random. They'd have a magical cooler that you mm-hmm. just picked out and it would be a random beer. Oh, or the beer that you really needed in that moment. Oh, okay, nice. You know? um, Guinness. Or if that's what you wanted, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't matter, right? Okay. You're ruining the joke. Got it. <laughs> Jesus says to Moses, I bet you can't part water like you could back in the old days. Oh, my God. So uh, Moses goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Gets up, picks up a stick off the beach. Sticks it in the in the water, right? Mm-hmm. And the water parts. Okay. And he comes back, and Jesus is laughing, having a good time. And Moses <laughs> says, Jesus, I bet that you can't walk on water like you could back in the old days. Yeah. And Jesus goes, I'll show you, right? Yeah. He goes, he starts walking on the water. Yeah. And after, like, you know, five or six steps, he just falls right in. Oh. He comes back out, Moses is dying, and he's laughing, right? Yeah. She's like, what the hell, right? What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. So then they have a few more beers. Moses says, Jesus, I bet that was a fluke, right? Why don't you go out, take another walk, I bet you could do it. Yeah. Jesus says, hell yeah, I can. Yeah. Gets gets out, goes farther this time, right? Like 20, 25 steps, plummets into oh, the water. Wow. Comes out soaking wet. Okay. Moses is dying. He's yeah. having a great time. Jesus is pissed off. Yeah. They have a few more beers, and Jesus out of anger is like, I, I can't believe I can't walk out of water. Moses goads him into doing it one more time, okay. right? So Jesus gets up, stumbles over to the water, because they're pretty drunk at this point. Sure, yeah. Jesus gets out just as far as he did last time, plummets right in again. Comes out, he's soaking wet, he's swearing, he's angry, mm-hmm. right? And he says to Moses, why can't I walk on water like I used to? And yeah. Moses says, I bet the first time you did it, you didn't have holes in your feet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Bad taste, right? I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I might have to give it a revolting. Yeah. But... See, that's a revolting joke, all right? You're welcome for that, by the way. I didn't pick any revolting ones. No. You but picked you know, all inane or sweet spot. That's because... If you like puns. We have a sensitive audience. We're not here to offend You know them. what? We do swear, and we have that explicit warning, so... I feel like it's fine. Um, and I feel like if our audience hasn't responded about... Uh, you know, the, what is it, the awesome episode yeah. in which we teased about Ray Comfort? Nothing that we Then we can't, we can't offend anybody. Then we can't offend right. everything is Everything we do is the sweet spot. Everything. everything. This episode is brought to you by the sweet spot. Nice. There you go. There you go. <coughs> right. Uh, but first, we should tell our audience members mm. where they can get a hold of us. I'd like, to, I'd like to mention a couple things, right? First of all, we are combing... Through the uh, erasure poems mm-hmm. that we got last month mm-hmm. uh, in April, combing through them, trying to find the winner. Mm. Um, so if you still have some, get it in under a wire. You can you can give us an erasure poem of Tim Askew's article. It's up on our Twitter, mm-hmm. which our Twitter ha- uh, our Twitter handle mm-hmm. is at words for dinner. That's W O R D S, the number four D I N N E R. Uh, and there we will start posting more often. Now that we're done with grading, we will be back on track with that. Mm. Um, also, more than more than happy to entertain any questions or comments that you guys have uh, via Twitter, or you can contact us at 
wfdpodcast at gmail.com. That's you know, words for dinner podcast at, at uh, Gmail. So WFD, the initials of that. Um, and so please, you know, send us an email there with any corrections that you have or any comments that you want to add. Big shout out and thank you to Nick who uh, helped us out with that. We don't know everything, though we pretend to, uh, which is pretty great. We do. We do a good job. We do a good job pretending. Um, so you can reach us there. Um, be sure to uh, check us out on Podbean's website to get the podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or on Stitcher, please leave us a review. Um, it'll help us out a lot. Or uh, click a like. I think Stitcher has the like. I don't oh, yeah. remember. Sure. I, I know Podbean has that. I don't, I don't use Stitcher, so I don't, yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, please do. Uh, please let your friends and family know about us if you enjoyed us. Or send us a message and letting us know if you liked us. Uh, if you have suggestions for words and stuff, too, we'll take those. Good chance we won't uh, use them, but yeah. you know, you know, no, we entertain any communication whatsoever. Sure. Let us know if you thought this was a debasing, humiliating, shameful episode. Yeah, and we can do that too. We can uh, hold a little like Twitter survey. Was this episode inane, revolting, or the sweet spot? <laughs> Obviously, the sweet spot. Uh, so, uh, so thank you very much. Uh, you're. You you just said the episode's brought to you by the sweet spot. Yeah, it's also brought it's also uh, brought to us by uh, paintings that have been scraped off of a roof and glued onto another roof. I don't even know how that makes sense. <laughs> you remember the just, Greeks would do that because, like, you know. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, and this episode is also brought to you by milk. It helps your bones. <laughs> All right. Wait, it helps your helps your bones, right? Bones. Okay, more than one bone. More than one. Oh, okay, in your body. That was really that was revolting. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a revolting joke to have. All right, thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Bye bye.